Hello and welcome once again to the Quacked Out Podcast. This is the instant reaction to the Stanford game. I am Charlie Colstead, joined by my co-host Reed Tingley and producer Podcast. How are you guys feeling? Good. Hyped that we just actually got to see a Ducks game, see how the boys looked on the field. And it, it went pretty well overall, I felt like. Um, you know, we'll, we'll get into it, but yeah. Yeah, I think we, we would be remiss not to address the game that we just witnessed end, um, Notre Dame and Clemson, which was best game of the year, I think it's easy to say, and then this is instantly in the conversation of like best game in the last X years. Like, that was yeah. awesome. No, it was, it was so good. I'm kind of um, sad that obviously I was, I was focusing more on the Oregon game while it was being played. And yeah. I got to catch the end of the Notre Dame-Clemson game, which was really good. Um, but I'll have to rewatch some of the highlights and stuff because I only had it up in the background, really. Yeah, instant classic, though, for sure. But yeah, definitely. So good. So close. And I mean, maybe not the, the outcome we desired to the fullest, but hey, it, it works. Yeah, it's just crazy in college football anytime. I mean, that felt like a defining moment where Notre Dame kind of is asserting itself as as a top-tier team and program almost. Right. Uh, it's. I mean, it's the best win they've had in years. Yeah, for they've, sure. They've hit that test a few times, but uh, this is the first time they've really passed it, it feels like. It's going to be a cracking ACC championship for sure. All right, um, let's get into the Duck game. So... First of all, just some instant reactions. Obviously, Ducks covered the spread. We learned a few hours, or I guess like the morning of game day, that Stanford's starting quarterback, Davis Mills, was out, as was their best receiver, Connor Weddington, and uh, a defensive lineman as well. Um, the, I think it's safe to say that the, the lack of those guys was clearly felt for Stanford. Like They really couldn't get anything going in the past game. They had a few, few good bombs, in into our secondary at some some points during the game. But overall, I think they this definitely would have been a closer game with Davis Mills and maybe a kicker too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, a kicker. yeah. Um, but I think, I mean, I I agree with that. But I also think it wasn't like the Stanford QBs were missing a ton of throws. Um, yeah, I thought I thought they put some good ones on, and that we. Uh, we're able to defend them pretty well. I thought our secondary stood the test. But, I mean, it's not like we had four picks or something. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and also, like, it's worth mentioning, I mean, it wasn't. they weren't exactly, like, throwing it all over the place. I mean, only 26 attempts throwing. I mean, same for Shuck on the offensive end for the Ducks. Like, both these teams didn't didn't really try to for obvious reasons, didn't, didn't try to exploit the secondaries as much as maybe they could have with a more solid pass game, maybe with a little more confidence in their pass game. But Yeah, de- definitely a little limited in, in their play calling, and I think it's safe to say that at times we were limited in ours too, just working in a new offense and new quarterback as well. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, no, no real standout receivers on either team either, I would say. Obviously Pittman had that catch, but that was his only catch. I mean... Johnny Johnson, four catches for 60 yards. DJ, tight end, five catches for 55 yards, which I would like to get into real quick. Nobody expected DJ Johnson to be the starter on the field. We heard Cristobal say that he'd heard some promising things from him, but it seemed like just kind of coachy speak, right? 
in the press right. conference. Like, he was still fourth on the depth chart. Yeah, I think that I felt like um, we were gonna start uh, McCormick maybe or Campamoyer, but I'm kind of hesitant whether those guys were ultimately held out because I didn't really see anyone else rotating with DJ Johnson at all. No, um, no. and there was some there was some uh, buzz about um, McCormick and Webb. I think have been, being a little banged up earlier this week, so. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious whether that was out of necessity. And I think Cristobal actually just said uh, something to that effect in his press conference was that uh, there were, he just said kind of vaguely there were a few other guys banged up. DJ had to step up, and he did. Well, I mean, he certainly made the most of the opportunity, five catches for 55 yards. Not bad, right? He had, yeah. like, I think he had a drop early on maybe. Maybe I'm misremembering. But, I mean, pretty solid game overall. Yeah, definitely. And then I think if we're going to talk about the offense, the first thing that comes to mind has to be Shucks running. I mean, this is something that Duck fans were begging for all last season with Herbert, and we never really got it until the last two games, Pac-12 Championship and Rose Bowl, because, I mean, obviously Herbert's draft stock plays into that a lot, right? His future in the NFL, which, hey, you could say it's paying off now, right? Because he's not injured. But, I mean, this... Shucks running really became the difference for, like, maybe not the difference in the game, but probably, like, the biggest takeaway I have just from watching this. Yeah, I think that um, Shuck was really good with his legs, and I was actually impressed with the fact that he didn't really seem to take that many shots, actually, despite running the ball a fair amount. It wasn't like he was getting nailed a ton. It, It didn't look like there were any big plays where... He was risking injury, but I also think we have the luxury to run him just because Anthony Brown seems to be a capable backup, at least from reports out of camp and everything. Yeah, it it seemed to me like just really good, smart running from from Shuck. I mean, he carries the ball 11 times, 85 yards, and I, yeah, like you said, I can't think of one where he got hit. Just just showed a little flash of like Russell Wilson with those those long drive extending runs and sliding down. before he gets hit, you know. Exactly um, like Russell Wilson. <laughs> Tyler Shook is Russell Wilson, by the way. I I, I appreciate y'all's optimism. Um, you're the one who said it, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I but I get what you get. Def, def, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I I would love him to be Russell Wilson. I mean, you know, you know, it's the first game. You know, maybe maybe that's maybe that's the worst performance we get out of Shuck this year. You know, love that. <laughs> Ideally, that I mean, hey, if you know, seventeen for twenty six and two hundred twenty seven yards is like that, then, then I would love for this to be his worst game, right? I mean, right, yeah, yeah, he only had one touchdown and he did throw that pick, but like overall, he was he was pretty consistent. I think this is pretty much what like par for the course for what we were expecting from Shuck, and maybe a little extra, maybe a little better, than yeah, that because of the running aspect. Yeah, and honestly, for me, it wasn't. It wasn't the running that um, I was so surprised by, but more, um, I think me and Reed are sitting next to each other on the couch talking about this. His touch and uh, some of those deep throws, especially, um, there's that one to Johnny Johnson where he picked up the P.I., um, didn't make the catch. He caught the ball but landed out of bounds. But it was just, the, the throws were just 
there. They they were yeah. they were so dangerous. They were they were so accurate. Um, besides the few, including the pick, but he just he just looked like a he looked like a like a three year starter. He, he didn't yeah, look exactly. Like, like yeah, a, that's my yeah. biggest thing too. Is he looked very prepared, right? And that's yeah. what, really what we're looking for. Like you don't. I mean, it's good to see these things in the first game of the season, because I mean, if we're thinking about it, if we're watching teams like Notre Dame and Clemson, right? Like, it, I think it was still clear that Oregon is not at that level yet, at least as a team. And that's natural. Still our first game of the season, right? But right. we're going to have to catch up pretty quickly. So yeah. why not start now? No, I think it's a little funny, too, because if you go back to um, the beginning of the season for everyone, you know, back in early September, it was a little a bit like you saw teams get off to a slow start. And now we go from watching teams like Notre Dame and Clemson who are playing you know, in their seventh, eighth game and have some reps under their belt. And then you jump over to Oregon Stanford, which is, of course, all of our first games of the season. So I think it's going to be a little weird seeing that comparison for the first few weeks, but I think that we'll pick it up eventually. Yeah, same. And I mean, yeah, and I mean, go ahead. oh, go ahead, Charlie. Oh, no, you, sir. Oh, okay. Well, I was just going to say, yeah, it looked like. I was nervous uh, in the first quarter. It came out. It looked a little bit, uh, you know, little bit, yeah, a little bit rusty, I guess. But just unprepared. We have the turnovers, uh, Cyrus fumble, and but the only, we we punted the ball once this game, mm-hmm. and it was yeah in the first quarter, um, and I think that's just a just great sign. But you know we're we're doing things with the with our drives with all of them, and it's. The offense looks so much more explosive under Moorhead than it did last year. Yeah, I think that's still um, clear. I mean, it's hard to draw those kind of conclusions from one game, obviously. But from what we saw, just from a play-calling standpoint, the fact that he was comfortable with Shuck even going deep is, like, a great sign. I mean, I, I wish we could have seen that a little more with Herbert back there. But, yeah, hey, and, you know. Whatever. And our receivers did a great job, especially – uh, Johnny Johnson, and oh, of yeah. course, that Micah Pittman catch of of winning those deep balls. And I think Stanford's weakness is a little in the secondary, so we'll see how that uh, can be replicated against the rest of the conference. But, yeah, it was definitely encouraging to see that, that aspect of the offense. Yeah, and I mean, overall, like, probably the – I mean, apart from play calling and, like, stylistic notices, the, the other, quote, biggest thing for me was – Third down efficiency for the Ducks, nine for 11. Like, you're going to win a lot of games when you can convert nine of 11 third downs. Definitely. And not even have to attempt a fourth down. Yeah. yeah also, sure. outrushing Stanford by 70 yards helps too, right? We held them under 200. That's huge. Only, you know, only 31 carries. Like, that's not an insane amount, but it's, it's positive from the defense on that front. Well, I think that's interesting, um, too, is because I heard a lot of people talk about how they expected us to just kind of pound the ball to CJ uh, all game. And and I didn't really think that would be the um, entire game plan in the same way, because I I just thought that Stanford had a weakness in their secondary that we kind of needed to exploit or at least test a little bit uh, in order to open up the run. And, And I think that we did that effectively in Chuck despite having a few throws that he forced and he had the one interception, he had another one or two that 
easily could have been intercepted. But overall, we were able to do that um, and and achieve enough balance to where they didn't know if we were going to be running or passing on on any given down. Yeah, I agree. And I, I mean, it's again, this is like kind of what we expected from this game overall. But especially on offense, it was like in in no phases of the game was it a great performance, but it, it was still you know good enough to get the job done against Stanford, substantially so. Give up the late touchdown. They had a few big plays, but not many. So I think overall this this was something to be happy about. Obviously we covered. Obviously yes, Stanford was missing a bunch of guys. So we can't draw too many conclusions, but solid yeah. win nonetheless. Yeah, I think it was really important, um, and that stat Paul Paul brought up about us only punting once is, is a pretty big one because we really did put together a lot of drives uh, after we just kind of struggled out the out the gate a little bit, which was super encouraging. Um, but it was really big for us, I think, to get that score on our second drive because if you go down fourteen nothing to Stanford, they're just going to slow down the game to like a halt and only give you you know five more chances or whatever if that to to get a drive going so yeah it was big when we pulled it even and then took a took the lead going into the half and that really put pressure on them and made them uncomfortable throwing the ball yeah exactly i don't remember who tweeted this during the game it might have been hippo day but um i don't remember who brought it up but um like early in the game we were just giving up chances it was like this is how you lose against stanford Right. This does not look encouraging whatsoever. And then, hey, where there's some momentum from missed field goals or just finally getting the offense more in rhythm and defense settling in a little bit, I think it was clear that the Ducks were far and away the better team throughout the majority of the game. Like, yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, four field goals, is, like you could chalk all of those up and put them on the board, right? That's 12 more points. And the Ducks don't cover, but they're still like right there. That'd be nine more points or 12 more points nine point difference right so yeah still still a pretty solid win all things considered so yeah well yeah and if you and i mean we also missed a field goal so true yeah right <laughs> that seems like standard practice by now for the ducks though like i honestly just whatever <laughs> yeah no i thought i thought camden had a had an encouraging day in a lot of ways but uh it was a bummer that he missed the field goal that counted for sure yeah. Okay, so let's get into individuals a little bit. Um, who are your game MVPs, say, for, like, offense and defense? You want Johnny to Johnson. Yeah. Johnny Johnson. Just, like, stellar. I don't think he dropped the ball. Um, yeah, he he was just all over the place. and uh, Yeah, I, he just looked dangerous. He was cutting into the right seams. He just just didn't drop anything and it was awesome didn't score but um no that's a that's a really good one i think um johnson's a guy i've, I've talked about this for a lot of the off season that looked so good in in late games last year mm-hmm. um and i think he just has the potential to be like one of the best receivers in the conference and he looked like that today he looked like he was making these these crazy catches and then wasn't surprised by those outcomes at all, which is insane given obviously the product that um, we put out at wide receiver back in 2018, which the broadcast touched on a little bit. I mean, 
people were calling for Johnny Johnson to like transfer and yeah. you know, <laughs> it's no, so I, impressive what he's done. Yeah. Yeah. I think he was really encouraging. Again, obviously he didn't have the touchdown, but I mean, you could almost count that crazy catch as a touchdown that he had. I mean, yeah. I mean, he still caught it. Like, yeah. like his, yeah. his, you know, he, he happened to land out of bounds a fraction of a second before, but he didn't drop the ball. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. I mean, personally, I'm gonna. I gotta give my offensive game ball to DJ Johnson. Um, yeah. I know Shuck had an encouraging first start, but I think just the between what was asked of Johnson, like, or what it seemed like the expectations were prior to the season. Like, to be honest, like when he switched positions, I didn't think I was gonna see him play. Like, there, yeah, there were so, no expectations. Yeah. I mean, there was literally like, if we get positive play from this guy, it it's better than we expect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Any <Pretty> contribution. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, again, like, Cristobal has been talking him up, but we never know how much of that is just, like, a coach being a coach versus, like, somebody actually doing a great job. So, hey, now we know he's doing a great job, and it showed. So I think that was yeah. really encouraging. And then, yeah, obviously, sure. I really would have loved to see Pittman get more touches. He only had the one, but... I mean, what a catch. Like, this guy is oh. legit. That was, that was, I mean, the most important play of the game in my mind. Like, just because, it, obviously it was early, but I think if he drops that, that, I think that just proved to our offense, okay, we can score. Yeah. Like, we can move the ball when he caught that. And then from there, the game kind of just, we got in our rhythm and, and could take control more. Yeah. Um, I think that it also, for me, it showed just the, the talent level. Like, it, it reminded, kind of reminded me, like, okay, settle down. Like, we're better than Stanford, right? Like, right. We, we have ballers on this team, and we're not going to go down easily. Yeah. Um, for my offensive MVP, I was going to say DJ Johnson. I mean, I think that's, in terms of overachieving expectations, I think that's got to be it. Because he was a legitimate weapon in the offense. Like, yeah. Um, which yeah, I didn't expect. Yeah, I thought I mean, he was he the number one there, target. Like, yeah, I thought if he went out there, he'd be physical enough to to block uh, pretty well and everything. But yeah, that little um, uh, play that Jomo uh, drew up, where he kind of fakes the block and then goes out to the side, mm-hmm. um, and Shuck kind of rolls out and hit him, was just working every time and and was being set up well. And DJ was taking advantage of it and and like. Uh, you know, everyone knows he's a big dude, but he can move really fast. So, um, but if if it's not uh, DJ Johnson, I'll take the obvious uh, QB one Tyler Shuck kind of just showing that he can win games in the Pac-12 because mm-hmm. we've had quarterbacks. We've been told like a Lockie or a Burmeister Pru-Cup. or a Pru Cup is capable of of winning games, and then and seen him on the field and said. Uh, the, nope. these guys can't really get us where we <laughs> want to go. And I didn't feel that. I felt like Chuck uh, made some first start mistakes, but I feel good about him in terms of being able to win it, win against any team in the conference. Yeah, totally. I also, one more guy I want to mention on offense is CJ Verdell, 20 carries, yeah. 105 yards, leading rusher, obviously. Um, I mean, he didn't, he didn't have any like big plays necessarily, but he got the job done. And like, yeah, exactly. That's, that's really what we're looking for from CJ. Yeah, he's just dependable, churning out the yards, and and to that effect, uh, the offensive line play I thought was pretty good for us. Um, 
I was actually impressed with that, just that I, I didn't notice it as, as a red flag and thought that our, yeah, I mean, we were, we were standing up and getting enough of a push to run. I will uh, say, again, very early on, I was kind of concerned just because of how, like, the first drive went, first few drives kind of went, basically. But, like, yeah, they, they definitely, I mean, we talk about teams settling in and just getting more comfortable with the game. That unit definitely did a good job of that. Yeah, I also want to note that um, it was really surprising Stephen Jones wasn't on the field to start uh, the game mm-hmm. for the Ducks, who many thought was the our best offensive lineman. Um, instead, Ryan Walk was in at guard, and then uh, Big Sala slid over to the tackle spot. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I think Jones uh, stepped in for the uh, second quarter. So I'm going to assume that that was like him being late to a meeting or something, which... Mm-hmm. Cristobal often assesses like a quarter suspension from the team for. Um, so that could have had something to do with, with a little bit of a slow start because, I I mean, reports are Stephen Jones is probably our best offensive lineman. Yeah. And uh, are you guys any more offensive points or should we move on to defense? Uh, no, let's go defense. Okay, defense, I mean, I think it's got to start with Lenore and Wright. I mean, yeah. Yes, Stanford had a, a few big catches, uh, namely from Simi Fahoko. He had only three catches, but he had 88 yards with them. Um, yeah. And yeah, was, he had two big ones just down the seam. Yeah. Looked like he just kind of ran right into the middle of that, right into the soft spot in our coverage, and yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I think, uh, I think honestly, both of those were on right. I don't really remember. Daywood um, was in for one of them. And yeah, in I general, believe... we were rotating a lot of uh, second and third team guys on defense. I think just getting reps and stuff given, um, you know, the unpredictability of the season. But, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, even with Wright getting getting beat a couple of times, I mean, he saved at least, like, three touchdowns just on his own. Probably yeah. more like four, to be honest. Like, he, if you count that chase down um, on, the, on Stanford's, final well final scoring drive um but lenore was really solid like i was really impressed with lenore i don't know if he gave up a catch if he did i didn't notice right yeah i mean it's kind of like that thing where uh you know mikhail showed up a lot more on your screen Mm -hmm. because they were picking on him a bit um but he i mean he wasn't getting picked on he was standing up and and breaking oh, yeah. up big passes and everything, but they were targeting his receiver more. And then Lenore was locked down, so you kind of would forget he was there sometimes, which is always a good thing to do as a corner. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah so. I, and uh, right, I I believe had that one play where he drew the offensive pass interference in the end zone, and yeah. it went from I think like a first and goal at like the you know like the five six yard line it was yeah it was even closer to than that <laughs> yeah it was like yeah. i think it was only yeah. one yard out at that point because we just got the crazy penalty for yelling signals or whatever disconcerting <laughs> signals yeah I was, right okay that was really yeah. confusing me especially because like my audio was sometimes audible on my screen and like <laughs> i i was it was taking me a while to figure that one out yeah um others on defense uh i know noah sewell's name got mentioned a few times just for his really aggressive tackles um yeah just kind of physically dominating the game as it came to him i thought that was really good to see 
Um, a lot of people expected expected to see more of Justin Flo. Obviously, he's you know still a freshman. Can't wasn't listed as the starter. Like he he wasn't expected to see a ton of time. Maybe a little more than we saw. But um, mm-hmm. I think that the linebacking core that we did have in did a did a plenty of fine job anyways. So hey, uh, <laughs> ain't nothing wrong with Justin Flo as a backup, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the starters are yeah. getting it done. Yeah, I thought yeah. the the linebacking core was uh, solid, but not great at times. Yeah, especially when they're gashing us for the run a little bit, it just felt like some of those assignments were not, or those holes were not really being filled. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean Noah Sewell probably is who I give the who who I give like the best defensive player, or just the guy. Like, in terms of if DJ Johnson gets it on offense, um, you know, for me, it's probably Noah yeah. Sewell who gets it on defense just because he's a true freshman in his first game. And there's moments where he looked like one of the best players on the field, and he absolutely looked like he belonged. Um, so I think him just making plays, I, um, I mean, I think we all felt pretty confident about what he could do at Oregon, but this game was like, oh, yeah, we will have, th- like, mark it down and the next three years we're going to have one of the best linebackers in the country if yeah. not like the best linebacker in the country <laughs> fingers crossed you know right I mean, I, <laughs> yep I, we definitely saw a lot of encouraging things from him. paul were you <laughs> yeah as i can recall he just he just showed out he missed he missed one tackle and that that was the only knock i have against uh sewell which is insane in for a freshman uh, first game. Yeah. Yeah, one one thing we should probably talk about is is obviously the guy that I think we would have expected to say is our MVP going into the game, or just if you had to guess, you'd have to say, like, Kayvon Thibodeau mm-hmm. uh, is, is who a lot of people are excited to see. And in general, the defensive line play, and especially pressuring the passer, was, was a bit of a disappointment for the Ducks. Yeah. Um, Definitely. Yeah, I really thought that if if we could consistently force pressure against the Stanford O line, that we could control the game, um, and we couldn't really do that. Uh, but we still kind of were able to take control of the game, so it's a little bit of a positive and a negative in the same way. Like yeah, there's I mean, room in... there's room to improve, but we were good enough to not make it uh, no, not be a crippling issue. And I I think it's safe to say that. Um... Avalos kind of expected the same thing. I mean, with some of his play calls, we were getting near the quarterback, but, I mean, it's one, it's the kind of thing that, like, you would expect to see last year's defense, like, get to the quarterback or make a sack on these kind of plays, and the pressure just wasn't there. Stanford and, I mean, West as a backup, obviously did a, did a pretty good job um, for getting the, in terms of just getting the ball out, getting it to the right guys and finding guys in space. Or taking it to run for himself a couple times, I believe, just creating plays. So I right, and and that's kind of how I feel too. Is we don't really know how good this Stanford O line is, or, or quarterback, or whatever. Um, this early in the season, and we don't follow the program quite close enough to know, you know, the background of all those guys that fill those positions. Well, I mean, it's tough um, for anyone to know with Stanford, but yeah, right, <laughs> right, yeah. Um, but I, I mean, so that's kind of my takeaway is, is maybe the Stanford O line's just pretty good. It definitely yeah. could be. I mean, they've got some 
some highly rated guys on there and I kind of don't I don't know it, it's easier for me to say oh maybe the Stanford O-line's pretty good than for me to say oh maybe like Kayvon Thibodeau, Mace Funa, and Adrian Jackson aren't that good of pass rushers I feel like I'm pretty confident that those guys <laughs> yeah. are good pass rushers also worth noting yeah. I mean the Ducks were without Popo Amave who we learned also this morning didn't uh, didn't play for this game um, yeah, it seemed and, like and he I also think... had some trouble finding the game on Twitter, um, <laughs> which I think a lot of people did when uh, the speech cut through to ABC. But yeah, I mean, obviously he would have helped a little bit in the middle, especially in terms of just reps, like getting getting rotations and getting new guys in. But yeah, some of those young guys like uh, Christian Williams came in for a second in, in replacement of uh, Jordan and had a, a good uh, stuff at the line. I mean, I think. I just feel encouraged about a lot of those young guys that are rotating in there who I think will be really talented and, and uh, capable of taking over after Jordan and Austin Fallu, uh mm-hmm. move on. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so again, I mean, overall, kind of a similar conclusion to the offense, right? It's like they, the defense made plays when it needed to, a lot of plays in the end zone, which is good to see, and didn't, I mean, gave up, more big plays than we'd like to see but not to a crippling standard you know no i mean that was really it was there was uh, you know a lot of those a couple of those deep passes and then that one really long run on their last touchdown drive like at the very end where mm-hmm. they broke like the 70 yard run but but like from down to down it felt like this offense or i mean this our uh, our defense was able to limit Stanford from just moving the ball with consistency and then obviously you know the missed field goals help but yeah. uh I mean we forced the field goals and you know it's college yeah. kickers can't be expected to go 100% I mean as as Ducks fans we know that you know <laughs> 0 for 4 is a bit extreme obviously <laughs> but I don't think it's really fair to say like oh Stanford deserves to have 12 more points on the scoreboard yeah True. right right and I mean, so Stanford, they, they put up uh, 400 yards of offense. Um, a, a little more than half of that was, was through the air. Um, they had about 200 rushing yards. And I thought that it, during the middle of, this, of some of the Stanford drives, I was more worried um, than I ended up needing to be. I think Oregon yeah. really on defense did do a pretty good job of, of being bend on break. They, I mean, they give up 400 yards. Um, and not all of it was meaningful, and not all of it, you know, um, ended up mattering. But, you know, 400 yards of offense, but only two touchdowns. Uh, a pretty good yeah. uh, preventative defense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I, I also will say that, uh, I mean, Oregon lost the turnover battle, which was something that I, I kind of thought we could get a, a interception here or there. I mean, you know, fumbles are pretty random, but mm-hmm. maybe we could have hopped on that one that uh, McKinley forced, I guess, if it hadn't been a targeting. But, um, but I mean, the, the and, intent and, was there, right? I mean, right. we saw in a lot of these plays, you know, guys finishing plays, a lot of game tackling, and guys trying to strip the ball, trying to punch it out, what have you. I mean, it, it's not for lack of effort. You know, I think we can def like, I wouldn't be surprised to see this defense force, like, you know, say three turnovers in our next game or four. Right, or and but. and on that other side, I mean, I think Chuck made a couple, uh, you know, first start throws and, and got mm-hmm. picked off once, and then 
I mean, the Cyrus fumble just felt like, <laughs> like what I mean, the hell? maybe yeah. it's maybe it's a little careless, but it's like that that's just a freak play in my mind. Um, um, yeah. And so, I mean, to overcome a, a two turnover deficit and win by 21, I feel like good about. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was happy to see really happy to see Cyrus get that goal line carry and get the touchdown after. After the first fumble, just, you know, kind of like um, I think Kirk was talking about um, Stanford trying to give their kicker uh, a little more confidence you know, going into this going into the season in the, in the first game. And it didn't work for them, but I think it should work for Cyrus. You know, it, it would he only had the two carries, so it would it would have really stung for him to just get the one and and have it be that freak fumble. But I was very happy to see him hit hit Pater. Um, yeah. Late yeah, I think that was an interesting thing too. Is is the distribution of carries at running back? Um, well, well, first of all, the distribution of carries in general. The fact that Shuck had eleven yeah. uh, for eighty-five yards was pretty impressive, and then CJ was just chugging along. I mean, he got a, a ton of carries. He had twenty, and then you have Travis who had yeah, six. and over averaged over five yards a carry too. Right, and Travis Without looked having really good. Yeah, Travis looked really good in his six carries with the one really long one, but a lot that were just pretty consistently gaining yards. Um, yeah, so that that was interesting because I feel like we usually distribute the ball a little more um, evenly across the ground game. It was sometimes like just the hot hand over the last two years, and, and this mm-hmm. game, I mean, we always knew CJ was the lead back, but this game it was like give it to CJ. And a guy we didn't see... Um, really was was sean dollars who i was trying to clamor up some uh support for on twitter and there are a lot of ducks <laughs> a lot of ducks fans who want to see him i think uh, oh definitely so yeah. yeah i was a little disappointing to not see him because he had a lot of positive reports out of camp and kind of pushed himself into this four person uh lead in the running back room um so he only had the one carry that i, I mean just seemed like it wasn't really blocked that well and got tackled in the backfield. Yeah, and so, I mean, in that same vein, I think another guy we would have really liked to see was Devin Williams get some more touches. He just had the one catch for nine yards. Um, I mean, we a lot of guy, a lot of people in the offseason kind of expected him to come in and maybe even be the wide receiver one, um, although I think it's safe to say Johnson and Pittman locked down those spots uh, after their performances tonight. Yeah, yeah, and, and I mean, for me, it was just uh, that's something that was really impressive is Brian McClendon coming in as the new wide receivers coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, those three guys, I mean, Pittman, Red, and Johnson, I feel really confident in Yeah, totally. uh, giving any of them big third down uh, and trusting them to make a play. So, yeah, that, that felt really good. But you're totally right. I mean, that second rotation at the wide receiver group was really non-existent, despite, uh, aside from Devin Williams' one catch. I mean, literally – None of the none of the other ones caught the ball, and um, Chris Hudson had that one deep target that he almost made a play on. But other yeah. than that, it was almost like uh, didn't really see a lot of the other guys. And hey, that's a you know, if we didn't need him, that's also a positive thing, right? We weren't reaching yeah. for anything. I mean, yeah, I mean it, if, it wasn't like a blowout game. I mean, the game I felt comfortable for pretty much this entire game, but like 
you know, we, we this wasn't a game where we were expecting to see a lot of second rotation guys anyways. So Yeah, and if you have three good guys who can stay in a rhythm and are well enough conditioned to play through the game, then Why it makes not? sense to, yeah, get them reps, especially with a new quarterback who needs to build some in-game chemistry. And especially, again, with the shortened season, right? I mean, yeah, it's you look at the shortened season and some of us think like, oh, it might be better, we have less games, you know, less less we can be more focused on each one, but in reality, I mean, you're still missing out on all these reps that other teams have had before you. So yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'll start catching up. Do you guys any, have any other thoughts on this game or should we move on to some of the other scores? Um, I guess my, my closing thought would just be, um, I think this offense looked pretty much how I thought it would. And I feel happy with the direction that it's in and, and just that it will keep progressing. Uh, and then I think the defense was not quite to the level I thought it was. Just a little bit shy. Um, I think I thought I thought I my prediction for the game was thirty one thirteen, which ended up being pretty close. But I mean I didn't factor in the four missed field goals, obviously. So that number for Stanford uh, probably should have been a little higher. Um, and so I think this defense has some room to improve, but I I feel confident that they will. And it's we still have no idea how good Stanford is. Like, uh, mm-hmm. it was uh, QB11 on Twitter said he thought that Stanford was the second best defense in the uh, that we'd play this year. Hmm. I mean, uh, which going I, down the schedule, I can see that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is <laughs> like, I, <laughs> um, he probably has more uh, authority to make that call than I do. Um, oh, yeah. but that's an interesting for, pers- yeah, yeah, definitely. But that's an interesting perspective. Uh, and so we'll, I think we'll find out a lot more about this win as we see how good Stanford is. Yep. I agree. All right. So around the pack a little bit, um, we had the early morning game with USC and Arizona state, a thrilling game, 28, 27 by, uh, in favor of USC. Um, I was watching this game and I was just like, this is this seemed like classic Clay Helton until like the last three minutes, probably. <laughs> like, yeah, just you could tell that the talent was there, and you could tell that like, I mean, shoot, Keaton Slovis went forty for fifty-five, right? Like, right. The, the individual like performances from some of these guys was there, but like, when are you going to score points? Like, when are you going to stop shooting yourselves in the foot, and when are you going to stop making mistakes? And it was just. A lot of this, maybe it was just the way I was watching it and the, the mind frame I had coming in, but it seemed like a lot of this USC stuff down the stretch was super self-inflicted. Like, Oh, they, totally. They blew a chance. They blew so many chances to win this game. I mean, yeah, they did win it at the end with the onside kick and what have you. It was, hey, great win. But, like, there's a reason it was an improbable comeback, and that is not something USC fans wanted to see. Yeah, and it, I mean, I just thought that they had an advantage, really, to exploit against the Arizona State O-line at times. It looked like they were really getting pressure um, and like they could just pull away in the game, and they just, like, never did. And, and that's why I felt like USC's preseason hype about being, like, a playoff contender and, a, and oh, they should be the Pac-12 favorite instead of Oregon and everything. I mean, they just are too inconsistent in how they play. And it and the game kind of made perfect sense to me. I mean, they looked good. They looked like they could win. But 
they had all these self-inflicted wounds against a probably less talented team. And then at the last second, like, things came together and, um, you know, they recover an onside kick. And so they start to, like, get this confidence um, and kind of things go right. And it starts to turn into, like, backyard football with just more talented guys and they got the job done. Um, But I don't feel confident about them going, like, undefeated through the rest of their schedule based on this come-from-behind win that required an onside kick. Yeah, I mean... And and a fourth-down ball that was, like, batted up in the air and then caught by uh, Brew McCoy, I think. Yeah, I mean, that crazy game, very entertaining, but, like, kind of for the wrong reasons, right? If If you're one of those people who's looking for the Pac-12 to kind of put, make a statement to the country and say, like, hey, we got some really, like, great teams out here. It, it was a very sloppy game, right? We had something like, I think, seven turnovers, maybe more than that. Like, USC had four just on their own. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, Arizona State had three fumbles as well. So, I mean, it, it's – I guess what what we can say is, like, Arizona State looked pretty good, right? Jaden Daniels was is making a case. This could be, like – two of the I mean I think we already thought these were two of the best quarterbacks in the conference but I mean they played pretty well right Daniels didn't have the consistency that you would like to see from him I mean he was only 11 for 23 but Slovis was phenomenal and I mean Daniels did make some great throws so I think it was entertaining and I'm glad I watched it even though it was pretty early in the morning for me Um, but I I think that this was kind of like a I'm having trouble defining this in terms of like what it means for the conference because again we know so little about the conference overall like USC seems to always just have these games throughout the year where they'll be totally dominant coming in and be be the favorite and then just absolutely crap the bed in front of everybody and (laughs) find a way to lose here's here's a question do you think well, where do you think that these two teams should be ranked? And and I'll preface this by saying USC is currently ranked 20th going into this game. Mm-hmm. Arizona State's unranked. But that factors in the fact that um, there's a lot of voters who didn't uh, mm-hmm. include Pac-12 teams in their ballots heading into this week because we hadn't played yet. Including like maybe Pac-12 a, writers, too. Like, this wasn't right. a bias type thing. This was just like, hey, some people didn't want to include them. Yeah, exactly. It's just in a crazy season, different standards as to whether teams should have to play a game before they're ranked in the poll or not. And I think maybe, like, ballpark a third of writers say that they don't want to include teams that haven't played a game yet, which I can't say that that's the wrong thing to do or the right thing to do. But it does create a thing where these rankings are a bit uh, deflated in terms of it's not like everyone um, participated in them and, and collectively like the average or the most common ranking of Oregon was 12th. It's like among people who actually ranked them, they mm-hmm. thought Oregon was 10th or something. Yeah. But since some people didn't, that brings their ranking down a few spots. Anyways, where do you, where do you think that USC and Arizona State deserve to be ranked? It's interesting because I was thinking about this actually right after the game. Um, just seeing that 20 for USC, it just didn't look right. And then I kind of thought about it a little more, and I was like, okay, I mean, not only do we barely, I mean, let's not get it twisted, we still barely know anything about these teams, right? Yeah. And we have to compound that with the fact that, like, in a normal season, 
these don't look like top 25 teams from what we right. saw today. I think in this season, though, you got to truncate a little bit. I think standards have kind of been lowered across the board. I, I think, like, USC is not a top 20 team. Maybe, like, late top 25. Arizona State, I mean, same thing, maybe, if, if at all, ranked. Um, so I think that kind of, you know, late, mid to late 20s is apt for both of these teams. Yeah, I think... Um... I don't, I don't disagree with that, but I will just say, like, you know, for context, uh, and obviously these rankings don't reflect what just happened, but, like, Texas is ranked 22nd, uh, Boise State's ranked 21st, Michigan's ranked 23rd. Um, and, Not anymore. And so, yeah, they probably will fall out, and so will Boise State. But I do just, you know, it's it, in this weird year, there are teams who we feel like really aren't that good. Um who are ranked in the top 25 when usually I, or I mean, even like Marshall who I, I and like is ranked 16th SMU coastal is Carolina. Right? Yeah. <laughs> a top 15 team really is coastal Carolina. One of the best 15 teams in the country. Uh, yeah. I mean, so. SMU's ranked 18th. They went to overtime versus Tulane where I go to school and it's not a very good uh, football program. I'll just say. <laughs> So hey, we're <laughs> big Green Wave fans on this podcast. I, I mean, I, I just think you know, does USC, uh, you know, beat Tulane in regulation? Probably. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the other teams that <laughs> receive votes too. I mean, Northwestern, Louisiana, both right on the cusp. North Carolina, mm-hmm. Penn State won't be anymore, but they were prior to prior to these last rankings. Tulsa, Army, Kansas State, West Virginia, Utah, like. These are, I feel like these are all teams uh, USC or Arizona State, for that matter, would be able to beat or at least be favored um, to win. Yeah, I, 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 And you mentioned small schools, too. Like, Liberty is about to be, like, a top-20 team because they just beat right. the Power 5 and they're 6-0. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. I, I think that's the right answer, though. I think that really this year is – is, and we'll get into this more when we look national, but, um, you know, people have talked about this year's defined by the three top teams, and, mm-hmm. and maybe that's a fourth now with Notre Dame or even a fifth with Florida, depending how you feel about their performance. And then I think there's really a tier of about 10 teams or so that are in that second level. Mm-hmm. And, and Oregon probably right now, based on one game, we think falls within that range. Yeah. And then after that, from like... Uh, late teens to uh, 30s, early 30s, um, is a bunch of teams who, if they play well, uh, they can compete with some of the better teams, with some of the Tier 2 teams maybe, but they can also kind of lose games to teams that they shouldn't. Um, And I think that there's a couple uh, Pac-12 teams that fall in that race range, like USC, Arizona State are probably to the upper side of that range, and then like Washington, Utah, Cal. All... I was just going to say, so like the three teams we didn't get to see play today. <laughs> right, yeah, which which is another thing we probably want to talk about is is this, since the last time we recorded, Pac-12 had two, uh, had a third of their games canceled Yeah. for this and weekend. And I mean, we were talking about this, it doesn't look like we can make them up ever, right? Yeah, I mean, and, the way our season is structured, there's no bye weeks. Like, right. The the committee would have to push back the ranking state if we want to make if we want to make them up in time for 
playoff consideration. Which, I mean, uh, to be fair, I don't think any of these teams are near playoff consideration. But, hey, I mean, we don't know that, right? Shoot, maybe, like, Garbers is one of the best quarterbacks in the country and we just don't know it yet. Like, right, yeah, I mean, I mean, we literally haven't seen them play. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it does worry me, like, is Oregon going to be able to get in seven games this year, actually? It yeah. starts to feel like that's not going to happen. I mean, we... we do play at Cal, we should probably know. Um, and, you know, Berkeley's uh, leadership seems to be like a, a big hindrance or just very kind of strict on their COVID rulings. So mm-hmm. it's tough for me to say like there's, uh, you know, that game at Cal's like, I can count on that one to be played. I don't think that's true. Yeah. But yeah. Okay, let's move on. Um, the only other game that isn't finished yet uh, from the Pac-12 today that we haven't discussed is UCLA and Colorado. Um, I liked I liked the Buffs in this game. They were, I think, a touchdown dog at home to UCLA, which I couldn't really wrap my mind around. But, I mean, uh, I watched a little bit of it here and there. It was really tough because, obviously, the Duck game and the Clemson game were both happening at the same time. Right. But I did see some flashes. I mean, Sam Neuer, Colorado's new quarterback, looked pretty good. Um, 20 of 31, 257, and only one touchdown. But the Buffaloes did end up winning this 48 to 42, and it looked like a pretty thrilling game. So I'm going to have to go back and watch the highlights of this. But, I mean, Colorado forced four turnovers from UCLA in the first half. Like, what? <laughs> I think yeah. this was kind of par for the course with the sort of Pac-12-ness we expect at this point. Yeah, and so that's going to kind of slant it a little bit. Um, I mean, you know, respect and credit to them for forcing turnovers, but can you count on that to be replicated? Uh, yeah. You know, not necessarily. So they seem to me like pretty evenly matched teams in a lot of ways. Like I couldn't say, you know, I would that confidently bet on any either side in a rematch next week or whatever mm-hmm. um but i think they both kind of showed at least that they have capable enough offenses scoring in the 40s and and maybe if some things break the white for the right way uh one of these sides could find themselves in like a close match with a ranked arizona state or usc team later in the year yeah definitely also worth noting, Sam Norris from Beavers and Oregon. I just learned that. Um, <laughs> so shout out, um, I guess. But uh, yeah, I yeah, mean, and, I think it was clear neither of these teams are going to challenge for the for the Pac-12 South spot, um, right. even even with the slightly disappointing performance we saw from ASU and USC. Right. Yeah, and then we're at we're at halftime of the Oregon State Washington State game as we record. Um, yeah. Washington State's up a little bit, but looks competitive and, and two teams I kind of expect to be at the bottom end of the uh, Pac-12, but we'll maybe have some more reflections on that game uh, come midweek. Okay, so real quick, let's jump around a little bit of national stuff. We've touched on this a bit. Um, looking at the rankings again, I I think Oregon will be in the top 10, maybe. Uh, yeah. I don't see how... I mean, maybe maybe leapfrog Wisconsin. We don't really know what's what's going to happen with them. Um, Miami, pro- eh, probably still behind Miami. 
Um, I, uh, I don't know. Like I, because I mean, if you factor in if you factor in the potential jump we get from people who don't have us ranked yet, true. And then and then the fact that I mean, I think we looked better than Miami this week. They had a close game. They played um, against NC State that that they really easily could have lost. I think. If I'm betting, I think we probably are ahead of Miami, and I think we're probably ahead of Wisconsin too. What I'm wondering, though, and I mean, I don't want to get too deep into the AP poll weeds here, um, right? But I mean, we we do have to wait a couple more weeks before the playoff rankings come out. So hey, why not? Split hairs, <laughs> but um, like the fact that Oregon hasn't played that many games will still affect them. I feel like in the, in the oh, definitely, yeah, definitely. Like, it's not like everybody's just going to... I mean, yes, everyone will probably include Oregon in their top 25, I'm assuming. But uh, we still don't know how that necessarily affects, like, their, their ranking yet. Uh, no, it will definitely. boost it, for sure, but we just don't know. Here's a question. Will Indiana be ranked higher than Oregon? And should they be? They probably should be. I think, I I think, they, I think they will and should be. So maybe that pushes back to 11. Because I don't think yeah. we're jumping BYU. Um I mean, their yeah. win against Penn State earlier now looks a little less impressive considering what uh, Penn State... Wait, did I say Notre Dame? No, no, you I said Penn State. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yep. Yeah, their win against Penn State is a little bit diminished just based on Penn State's, what, 0-3 start now? They're lost to Maryland today. Right, yeah, that looks like a disaster and, for them. Yeah, and also versus Michigan... Because, you know, Michigan State, who beat Michigan, went out and got hammered today. Uh, lost by, uh, like, over 40 points, I think, to uh, Iowa team. That's That was 0-2 going into that game. Um, yeah, and it's interesting because I heard so many people um, on college football podcasts and, and college football betting pack podcasts saying, oh, Michigan got a... Got a um, Oh yeah. Go with Michigan this weekend against Indiana. They're just the better, more talented side. Yeah, that was a three-point uh, line. I I probably would have taken that. Shoot, that's a that seemed like a pretty good line even right now, and yet they already lost. Like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and it wasn't really that close. Did, it how really long wasn't does, that close to Indiana. How long does Harbaugh have left? If we're being realistic, I know the hiring and firing might be skewed again in the COVID year, but like, you gotta think this is getting near the end of the run here. I, I'm not ready to give up on him. I know a lot of people are. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I I just don't know what Michigan gets next. I mean, I, it's not like Urban's going to Michigan. Um, and I, I think that they're trying a little offensive transformation. And Michigan is, I don't know. I mean, largely they've beaten teams they should beat. Obviously, it's a little bit hard to... Harder to say that after the last two weeks, um, but yeah, I'm not completely done with him yet. If this offense can kind of look how it did against Minnesota Week One, which obviously Minnesota looks worse now too, but yeah. I I think look where you're at at the end of this year, and probably give him one more just because I think there's not any promise when you fire a head coach. Yeah, you know, I yeah. Unless you hire Mario Cristobal. Right. Promote Mario Cristobal. Um, <laughs> uh, let's do, to wrap up, let's do some playoff predictions. Right now it's looking like... Well, do we want to touch on... Uh, 
I mean, I guess we kind of touched on uh, Clemson, Notre Dame at the start. Um, I think other big things, I mean, Cincinnati just won, uh, which hurts us, and, and BYU won, which also hurts us. Yeah, uh, I, I still don't think they're going to give Cincinnati a spot over us. Uh, you don't, you don't want to do... Assuming we can go second. <laughs> I, I, I'm not ready for that conversation yet. I, <laughs> you don't want to do any Florida-Georgia talk? What? They're going to play today? I, like half the team might have played today, and even less of it walked off the field under their yeah, own power. We'll, we'll, so. we'll, give you, we'll, we'll give you a break on that one. I um, mean, in terms of playoff, I think it's still clear Clemson and Notre Dame are, like, for now have like playoff spots, right? Unless Clemson loses again in the ACC title game. I, I think it's safe to say both those teams are still deserving. Yep. Yeah, I mean, now we basically need Clemson to lose again, otherwise they're in, I think, because it was so close. And I, I think people say, oh, we don't want, um, you know, odds makers to, or we don't we don't want a committee to determine the value of a player or, or make a judgment on what would have happened if Trevor Lawrence had played. But when it's a road game against a really good Notre Dame team and they lose by the thinnest of margins without arguably the best player in the country, like, uh, yeah, you got to be realistic. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so I think, so for now, it's safe to say top four, maybe shuffled around a bit, probably stays the same. Obviously, you can you can kind of do Alabama slash Florida, I think it's safe to say. Uh, maybe if Alabama loses the SEC title game, then we can have a, another conversation about that. But I, I think it's pretty clear that, um, like, the top four, like we didn't, we didn't actually learn a ton from this weekend, other uh, than uh, Georgia dropping down. Yeah, I think. Because I think it was. Good. Yeah, I think it was a bad weekend for us, though, in terms of the playoff conversation. Yeah. Because you look at, um, I mean, I think it was a bad result for us in terms of Clemson Notre Dame, just that Notre Dame barely edged out the win, and if it's a close loss, then I think. And, and Notre Dame looks good the rest of the way besides a close loss to Clemson in the uh, conference championship game. I think Notre Dame's a team that you probably put in. I think mm-hmm. Florida, if they play Alabama really close, could get in over us because they looked really good today, um, but maybe not. Uh, and then I think also um, A&M is kind of uh, yeah, uh, running out of weeks to lose, and yeah. they just <laughs> beat... Be, uh, South Carolina by 45, so, so yeah. that was not great. And then you have uh, Ohio State as well, who has yeah. lost. Goes uh, I think they're and, uh, they got they got Indiana on their schedule. True, and Maryland. Um, I mean, and Mar- let's talk now, about but... Mar- can we, let's talk about Maryland for a second. So <laughs> Maryland, actually, they're 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 two and one unranked, but. Big win this week. Beat uh, PJ Fleck. They uh, knocked over the boat last week, um, and their loss, only loss, which looked bad at the time, was to Northwestern. They got killed. Yeah. But Northwestern's now three and zero. They're they're now three and zero. I'm sorry, I'm not buying. They lost. They lost by four. The Northwestern is three and zero, and that was the first game of the season. You know. But they yeah. lost by forty. <laughs> Still counts. Yeah. Like you don't get a bye week. Like you don't get. No, no. But I mean, I'm not talking about Maryland in terms of of playoff, uh, you know, 
playoff consideration, really, just that Maryland could really be a dangerous team um, on anyone's schedule in in, uh, in the Big Ten. Well, and they get, they get uh, Ohio State. They play in Maryland. Uh, it's a home game for Maryland next weekend. So, yeah, yeah, fingers crossed that that one's close, but I'm not really holding out hope. <laughs> All right. I mean, last thing, last game I want to mention, just because I was watching it, um, probably the team, maybe the team other than USC that won their game but probably lost the most just in terms of, like, how we perceive them as a program. Oklahoma State got just a, a grueling win uh, against Kansas State on the road. A game that every time I looked up, it seemed like Kansas State were like about to end the game, and then the Pokes just kept coming and eventually broke through, I guess. Um, no, that's, that's a good one to mention because I think there was some sentiment that uh, Oklahoma State kind of slipped up to Texas in the game they maybe should have won. Mm-hmm. And if Oklahoma State really looked convincing and could assert themselves as the clear best team in the Big 12 the rest of the way, then they might be able to earn a playoff spot. And they definitely didn't look that way today. No. And that's if everything went right for them in terms of yeah. outside, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, take- outside losses. And, yeah, no, I think Oklahoma State is... Um, I don't know. I, I didn't even think they looked good enough to... You know, say that the they won't 12. lose another game in, in the Big 12, yeah. Yeah, so. to say that they'll be favored against Oklahoma um, in, I guess, two weeks it is. Right. Yeah, I probably am taking Oklahoma in that game right now. Yeah, but. Spencer Rattler looked good today against Kansas, who in... <laughs> is Kansas. You know, is... is They looked... And they looked even more Kansas today than than they've ever, <laughs> than they've ever looked. I Yeah. Um, from... Everything I heard and saw, they looked like they gave up. But, yeah, Spencer Rattler, you know, great game. Yeah. All right. You guys got any other games you want to mention, or should we kind of leave it at that? No, I think that's about it. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll catch everyone midweek for the Washington State preview. And, yeah, just keep holding out hope that um, Ducks are able to, you know, play each and every coming game on the schedule. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right, boys. Sounds good. Go Ducks. 1-0. Go Ducks. Yes, sir.